0: Good morning, my brothers and sisters. Welcome to episode number 34 in the book of First Peter. What we're going to do today is go back and review chapters one and two, uh, which is kind of my habit as I finish a, a book of the New Testament. And I would encourage you to get a ruler out today and get your Bible marking pen, hopefully your micron 01 from Pigma, and underline some of the some some of these highlights. I'm going to go through uh, the first 14 lessons in a whirlwind. Here we are. Lesson number one, verse number one from chapter number one. You are not home. You are in exile. And we're going to find that because of that, you're in some trouble. That's the bad news. But the good news is in 1-5, you're guarded. You're kept. You're protected. I said that the title of that was You're Guarded Bigly, and uh, the ESV said it's it's that he sets his covenantal affection upon us. I loved that. All right, lesson number two, that you are grieved by trials. But God has an impressive resume. He's the Lord of every day in the past, and he's Lord of every day to come. And so the big question what, that we're going to answer by by the whole book of First Peter is, can he be Lord of this day? Your trials are not in the, you know, this is not God's first day. You're not in the midst of a vacuum here. Lesson number three. That we set our decisions and our emotions and our hope and our affections upon Him in 1 8. That is where we set our head and our trust and our love and our happy face on, on Him. Lesson number four we have a treasure that is so good that not only did prophets want to understand more about it, but angels. Longed to look at that. That's from 112. Angels long to look at the, at what we have right before us. Verse or lesson number five: Be holy for I am holy. Now this just rocked me personally. I was surprised by it, shocked by it. It's in 115, quoting the old testament. We're we're called not in a vacuum to this, but in comparison to, to, to him. And we're not alone in this. We're associated with him in this. And this is not something that is, you know, a pie in the sky theory. This is reality. He wants us to really do this. And of course, our our response can't be pride, but it has to be humility. So I am surprised by holiness. That's lesson five. Lesson number six is I'm a bit of a stranger to holiness, and I have all these excuses. Hey, it's not for me, but it is. It's for everybody. And this is impossible. Yet he has it, puts it on our plate. He commands it. That's unknowable, and, and that's only if you don't look at his mm-hmm. example. And then um, the, the holiness is for later, for heaven. But no, he says it's for now. And holiness is private. Uh, no, it's public. Uh, it, it spills over. What you do in your heart then spills over. And it's like, Lord, are you kidding me? This is such a high, high call. Then to lesson seven, the good news is given for the sake of me, that I am valued enough that God did this for me. Lesson number eight, that was the spiritual lactation assessment. And like newborn infants, we went to the one week old as we long for pure spiritual milk. That's from two, one. And the, the, the Lord is the great provider and provision is his goal and growth is our goal. And so we had to do a little craving check. We had to check our craving and our desire. No craving equals no growth. So let's go to the one week old. Lesson number nine is I'm laying in Zion a stone. So we have a description of Jesus as this cornerstone, chosen, precious. But that's the good news. The bad news is we stumble over it in two eight. So God offers salvation. First, we we kind, it kind of gets our attention. That's the stumbling part. Then we realize we think about this that. It's offensive that we can't do it alone. And then that's exactly the way that he offers salvation, by a stumbling stone. Then he tries to build us, after we decide for him, into rock, little rockets, little Legos characterized. And we are characterized by what characterizes him. Lesson number 10 was uh, verse 9 from chapter 2. But you are. This is, he informs us. He informs our history. He informs our inheritance and our activities. Because we are a people for his own possession, underline that for sure, that we can entrust ourselves to this. So he's the keeper. He's the owner. He's the one that characterized us. And it's a good thing for us to be so possessed by him. Verse 11, then we're supposed to keep our conduct in a certain way. Honorable, good, beautiful. Um, And the reason is is because it's going to be a witness. We're witnessing with effect. Other people are watching our conduct. So not only uh, we aren't the only ones watching, God isn't the only one watching, and other people are. And then he's going to bring up two big topics here, submission and uh, uh, suffering. Submission in 2.13 to a government, to a human institution, and remember it's non-elected, no term limits, no opposition, kind of an evil government. Uh, He uses that as a really clarifying good, good example of being a bad example. So our submission to external things, in this case the government, is seen by all, and it's about our heart, not theirs. And submission is how we adorn the gospel by our behaviors. It starts with the hidden person of our heart. But then it's seen by God, it's seen by others, and it's submission is where the where the rubber meets the road for a lot of people. Submission, again, is not subjugation, it's voluntary, it's self-imposed, and it's coming under for the Lord's sake. Then verse th- chapter 13, lesson 13 from 2, 19, we live in a world of evil. That is suffering and unjust suffering. Some of it's for direct persecution for being a Christian, but lots of suffering is just resisting temptation. And what we do with our freedom is very important. Do we get a, a pass because the, the world is evil? Do we get the, a pass because the world is mess, messed up so I get an excuse for doing wrong, that my the pastor is imperfect my spouse is imperfect my world is imperfect my history is imperfect my abilities are imperfect and my knowledge is imperfect no we have to still do the right thing and then finally here the big the the big thing into the nuclear power plant um, which is this great theology of suffering and i asked everybody if you suffer please listen because that means everybody that is suffering uh, can be a gracious thing. That's from 219. It can be beautiful. It can be the center of God's favor, his kindness, his presence. And suffering is where we may meet the goodness of God in the special way. And suffering is a call under the sovereign eye and under, unfortunately, the staid hand of the Lord. And suffering will never work unless we're mindful of God. And suffering is something that we may feel that we're doing alone, but we're never alone in our suffering. And then finally, suffering is an invitation to invite God to our suffering by entrusting ourselves to him. Come back tomorrow. We'll do chapters 3, 4, and probably 5. Thanks for listening.